every time I hear that bumper video, I feel like I'm walking into an old Western, um, like a gunfight at the OK Corral or something. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome, I guess. So, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm Gene. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Yeah? Okay. Uh, I'm an elder here, and um, it's so good to be together, to pray together, to worship together. I mean, that, that's pretty awesome. Um, and to break open God's word and, and to learn together. Um, that's, that's what this is all about, you know, uh, us getting closer to God um, through worship and, and looking at his scripture today. So um, we're, uh, for anybody that's a first-time guest, uh, thank you for being with us this morning. And we welcome you, and we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we have a small gift in the back, so if you want to grab one of those on your way out, um, and just if you want to say hi to anybody, we're, we're pretty friendly. We're a very friendly church, so <laughs> um, we'd love to get to know you and, and meet you. And for those that are on YouTube and Zoom, we love you guys. Uh, want to recognize you. Don't want you to feel disconnected um, from the body of Christ because you are part of the body. And it's okay that you're not ready to come back. We respect that, and we, we love you guys. But if you have any prayer requests or any needs, please feel free to reach out to anybody um, we love to pray with you in that. So let's go ahead, and uh, I, I do have to say something real quick. I'm going to bust on myself. Um, so I posted on the family page the Superman symbol. Did you all see that? Uh, somebody? Okay, so because we're talking about Samson, right? And it's pronounced Samson. I don't know if you saw. I'm not the best speller, and I didn't have my glasses. There's a P in Samson, so there's not supposed to be a P in Samson. So, did you notice that? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I saw it last night. I'm like, oh boy. And I'm trying to edit it and take it off, and it was too late. So anyway, uh, let's go to God in prayer. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we just uh, thank you for this day that we can be together, gather around um, as a church, as a body, and uh, just be able to draw closer to one another, but most importantly, uh, draw closer to you. Lord, I pray that this message, um, that it will be received well, that uh, it's your message, that whatever you want me to say, that will come out right, and um, people can hear it today. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here, um, but most importantly, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Amen. So as 2020 uh, ended and was coming to a close back in December, um, the elders, we all gathered around at my house uh, with our wives, and we kind of did a rehash of what 2020 looked like. And you know, we call it a hot wash in the fire service. And, um, and we, our, our theme last year was faith and what faith looked like and how do we grow our faith? How do we uh, draw closer to God in that faith? And we needed to hear a lot of those messages last year because last year was really crazy, right? Um, this year, it's still crazy. Hopefully, things are getting a little better for everybody. But um, so faith, and, and our faith hopefully has grown in some of those lessons and messages. Um, and this year, so we were looking and saying, okay, what, is, what do we want to be led by God? What do we want God to talk to us about? So we fell on that word thrive. And you're going to hear, I know Jonathan talked a lot about it in, in the beginning. You're going to continue to hear that word, thrive. How are we thriving in Jesus? How is our faith thriving? How are we moving forward in, in thriving as a church, as a body? So I want us to continue to look at that and, and analyze your lives, guys, and saying, 
am I thriving in Christ? Am I thriving by reading scripture and praying um, and those things? So today's message in, in talking about thriving, we're, my message sermon uh, titled is Grace Upon Grace. And so we're continuing our series here in Judges. And I will be completely honest, I truly struggle with this sermon because, and I was talking to the band up here beforehand, I'm like, what am I going to say that they haven't already heard? That this series, right, it's a cyclical cycle of sin and rebellion, and, and it's the same story over and over again with, with different judges and different heroes and different actors that God puts in there, but it's like week in and week out, we're hearing the same thing. And I struggled with that because I was like, man, I'm not going to be able to say anything that they haven't already heard and probably heard it better, right? So my wife was telling me something, though, that there's a lot of wisdom from our wives, guys. We need to truly hone in and listen to our wives. Um, she said something. She's like, you know, when we hear these stories over and over that God has put in the Bible, he's laser focused on something. And we need to focus on that and say, why? what is the message here? What is he saying? He's repeating himself. And when there's a re repetition, there's usually a point to be made. And God certainly is trying to make a point here in Judges. Um, but this series here, I, it's, it's the same cycle of sin and rebellion in the nation of Israel. And how God will pour out, you know, grace on this broken people. Um, I call it the ABCD method. The A is the apostasy that we saw, that we see from the nation of Israel, the rebellion and the sin. And then God says, okay, I'm going to place you in bondage for a time period. So he puts them in bondage, whether it's with the Canaanites or Philistines. Here it's going to be the Philistines and these. Um, and then what we see is the nation cry out to God and say, God, help us, deliver us from this bondage that you were in. And what God does is he raises up heroes and judges and delivers them from their bondage. A, B, C, D. That's what I call it. And it's just that same broken cycle of sin and rebellion. We can get caught up in a lot of these same cycles of sin and rebellion. So this is really the story. Yes, it is the story of judges, but it's the gospel. We're seeing the gospel going over and over again here where we sin, we rebel, we're bound in, in bondage to our sin. We cry out to God, and he ultimately has delivered us. He didn't raise a judge here now with us. He didn't raise um, heroes. He gave us a king. And we need to look at that and say, thank you, God. You know, he's paid everything for us. So here, today's story is about a judge um, that we've all heard about. If you've been in a VBS or a children's program or children's, you've heard about this guy, Samson, not with a P. Um, so, so this guy here is probably the strongest guy that ever walked the earth with the help of God. You know, you, you see some of the feats in the story that he does, and it's just incredible. And it's, it's like, is this real? Well, of course it's real. It's in the Bible. But some of the things he does is just unbelievable. Um, Today, we're going to hear a little, it's, it's going to be absolutely from the scripture, but it's not going to be your typical VBS story. It's going to be the story of what really happened. The story we don't hear a lot about from Samson is how truly messed up this guy was. I mean, how many things he had to deal with. He, he was a rebel, for sure, um, 
He was a Nazarite. And it specifically talks about that. And if you go back to Numbers in the Old Testament in chapter 6, it talks about being a Nazarite in the Nazarene vow. And they took it very seriously. <clears throat> and in this vow, they had to say, it, it, Nazarite just simply means set apart for a time period. Well, God said Samson is going to be set apart from the time of his birth until his death. Today we're going to be in Judges chapter 13 through 15. So if you've got your Bibles or your phones, you can flip to that. We're not going to quite finish the story. Uh, Jonathan's going to finish it up next week. You are preaching next week, right? Yep, okay. <laughs> um, and, and finish the story up next week. So uh, if you can hold your Bible there. So talking about a Nazarite, it's truly translated as sequestration. So they're set apart. And there's a couple things that they had to uh, adhere to in this vow. And one of them is they, they couldn't uh, be around wine, they couldn't be around fermented grapes um, or partake in alcohol. And the other one was they had to not touch a dead body or a dead carcass. It's, it's translated carcass in the, in the uh, scripture. And the other one is that, of course, what is Samson known for besides his strength? His long hair. They couldn't cut their hair. They couldn't put a razor to their head. So these things would set them apart. Now, Samson, like I said, the story we don't always hear is how much of a mess his life was. This story is ultimately about how God shows grace on a broken, sinful people again and again. How he's going to deliver them from their sin. So if we look at here at Judges chapter 13, verse 1. <clears throat> and the people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. To me, right off the bat, on this first verse, I see grace jump off this page. Because in that first verse, what does it say? Again, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They turned their backs on God. There, the Philistines were, they were a truly bad people. I mean, they worshiped false gods and false idols. And they fell into the same things that they were doing. And they were certainly comfortable being around the Philistines. We'll, we'll see that. <clears throat> um, again, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. But one thing we don't see here in this first verse here, or these first few verses, is something we've seen in all the other chapters in Judges. This time we don't see how the nation of Israel cried out to God for deliverance. They, they've missed that part. See, they're so comfortable in their sin and their rebellion that they forget to do that. They just get comfortable and, and not ask God to deliver them. They're content in living in sin. <clears throat> we can get like that. We can get to a point where we're just caught up in our shame, our frustration, our anger, our sin, and our guilt and forget that we have one that is already delivered us. And all we need to do, we need to give our lives up to him. <clears throat> we can learn so much about grace in this first few verses. How God doesn't give up on the nation of Israel. How he continues to pour out his love and his desire for them to turn back to, them, to him. We see this and we can learn on how to treat others and look in how we can worship and praise God. 
Let me ask you something. How many times in your life has someone close to you that you love or you care about has turned their back on you or has hurt you again and again? Whether they're struggling with uh, pornography or an addiction to uh, controlled substances or, or whatever, whatever they're struggling with. If, if they're struggling with sin that they are just cannot get behind them or gossip or, or whatever it is, and, and they're gripped by that, how do we show grace to them during that time? Are we loving like God does in that? Are we loving well? We have a perfect example of how God does these things for his people. Are we doing the same thing? He's teaching us. He's showing us how to do this in the face of all of the rebellion. And how many times has he raised up judges here? And we've heard so many different stories. And how many times do they turn their back on him? But he continues to pour out love and grace. We too can get so caught up in this, in this sin, like they were. Here God has oppressed them and put them in bondage for 40 years. So what does 40 years look like? Uh, I apologize to you already because you're not going to like this. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's scared now. No, it, we're going to do a trivia. <laughs> didn't you see he said he didn't like that? So um, anyway, I've got two gift cards here, okay? Uh, and so if you know the answer, raise your hand, please. Don't, don't just shout it out. That will kind of ruin it for everybody, all right? So what does 40 years look like? Uh, it's, it's from 1981 until now. Okay, some of us might remember that. I, I remember that. So some may not. So, <laughs> um, so here, uh, raise your hand if you know this answer, all right? So the number one box office movie in 1981, does anybody know off the top of their head? No Googling. No? Okay, so I'll give you three choices, all right? So the first one is um, uh, Captain Blood starring Earl Flynn. Probably everybody's scratching their head. Um, the next one, how about this, for the aviators in the room, uh, Top Gun, starring Tom Cruise. No? Okay, how about Raiders of the Lost Ark, starring Harrison Ford? LD. All right. You want me to hold it? I'll hold it for you. I'll give it to you after. All right. <laughs> so, so one more. Um, so the number one hit song in 1981 that was on top of the Billboard charts for so long. Um, Anybody know? No? All right. So a couple choices here. All right. So we'll do um, Bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer. Great song, right? Um, how about Kenny Rogers, The Gambler? Anybody heard that song? How about Betty Davis' Eyes? No? Wrong. <laughs> yes, Betty Davis' Eyes. All right. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll come get the gift card after. All right, good job. 1981, that's a long time. That's, it's 40 years that they were in bondage. And, and in that time, you know, you, they can lose track of, of what is happening. And, and, you know, they can get comfortable in their sin and, and just not cry out to God. 40 years is a long, long time. And what we'll see is as Judges progresses in time, you see God come full circle here with how long they've been in bondage. They, if you go back to chapter 3, they were in bondage for 8 years and free for 40. Here he's come full circle. They're free for 8 and in bondage for 40. 
<clears throat> so as, as God is doing that, he's got to work his plan for deliverance. They were stuck in their sin, and God starts to send a Savior here. You see, God is working and showing grace in the next few verses. So if we look at Judges 13, 2 through 5. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and shall begin to save the Israelites from the hands of the Philistines. So God is bringing good news here of one that will work the deliverance of the nation of Israel. Samson's not the deliverer. He's an instrument of God's delivery. This is grace. He's willing to save the lost even when they don't ask for it. The very God who judges them begins to work their deliverance. This is grace greater than all their sin. So we can see God. He sends an angel here to Manoah. And the part, though, I want to focus on is his wife. They don't mention her name, and she's barren. In that, you can see probably she felt no hope. She felt probably hopeless that she, she doesn't have children, but God here says, I'm going to bring one that's going to deliver the nation of Israel. There's hope there starting. <clears throat> so God, we can, we can get like that. We can get so gripped in our hopelessness, in our sin, that we, when we forget to cry out to God, we can look and say, why bother turning to him? How can he possibly love me? Doesn't he, he knows what I've done. Well, we need to love ourselves enough to forgive ourselves, to say to God, I'm yours. This is where God can do some of his best work. This is where God can show grace like no other, where he can love unconditionally, even when we cannot love ourselves or others. So Samson, he starts to work God's plan. He's on the scene now. So if we look at Judges 14, 1 through 4, Samson went down to Timnah, And at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now go get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me for she is right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that this was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines at that time. The Philistines ruled over Israel. So Samson wants to marry this woman that's not from his tribe. His mother and father, I'm sure they were frustrated and upset at this. Here's Samson the rebel, and they were trying to convince him not to do this. This why are you going to marry someone that's not circumcised? And, and they did not want this. That, that's a big deal um, to the Jewish culture. But the thing is, what we're not seeing is they're not saying this is not what God wants, even though God was working behind the scenes in doing this. What we see is they're trying, they're more worried about a cultural 
an ethnic problem than they are that this is not what God wants for you issue. This shows a lot about the mindset of how they felt at the time and how Samson, how crass he is. Go get her for me. I mean, he, he doesn't think of anything except for his self-serving interests here. Um, but what we don't know, or what, if, if we put ourselves in this story and we were here, would we be confused as well that this is all part of God's plan? He's working all of this to deliver the nation of Israel. <clears throat> when we put God first and align our thinking, instead of our own self-serving interests, things become clear. God shows grace and will try to help us out of our self-serving behaviors. What we see is he's, again, he's working here and to deliver them from their sin. <clears throat> so continuing this story, Samson wants to marry this Philistine woman. He says, get her for me. So he goes down there to talk to her. So we're going to look here at Judges 14, 5 through 9. Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. After some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out, and into his hands went on eating as he went. As he went. And he came to his father and mother, and he gave them some, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. So we see here, God is weaving this story to bring about a confrontation with the Philistine people. The woman, the lion, and Samson are all part of God's plan, all about to bring this confrontation. He had killed the lion with the spirit of the Lord. And, and the lion is, is important here because, one, he's a Nazarite. Here, he's a spiritual test. He is not supposed to touch anything dead, but he does that. And he, he sees this lion with the honey, which is sweet and savory. And, and he also offers some up to his parents. See, he fails his spiritual test here. He's also not supposed to be near vineyards or grapes or anything like that, but he's walking in a vineyard. That is Samson's mindset. You know, the, the, the thing with the line here, what I, when I look at it, I see it as God is saying the message of this is the world around us. The world is rotting, but it offers things up like honey that can look sweet and savory, and it can taste good for a time period, but it will always leave us wanting for more. It will never fulfill us and sustain us like the gospel of Jesus will. That's the message I think he's trying to say there with the lion. <clears throat> but in Samson, in his arrogance and in his apostasy and him always trying to look at his self-serving interests, he doesn't see that message. What he sees is something that he wants for himself, and he's going to get it. But God is working in the background here to deliver the people, even in his sinful behavior. So now Samson has done this. He's at the wedding feast. He's at a wedding feast, and he's got this riddle that he's going to tell the Philistine people that are there at the wedding. 
And he's going to use this riddle because he thinks he's smarter than everybody in the room. The wedding feast is interesting because it again shows the, how comfortable they are with these idol worshipers. Samson, again, was supposed to be set apart. <clears throat> if we look at Judges 14, 12 through 14, and Samson said to them, let me now <clears throat> put a riddle to you. If you can tell me what it is within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if you cannot tell me what it is, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 change of clothes. And they said to him, put your riddle that, that you, we may hear it. And he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And in three days, they could not solve the riddle. Now, we've got this group of Philistine people here. And they are, I'm sure, already frustrated with Samson. Because not only did he marry one of their own, and clearly this woman was probably very pretty, and maybe they wanted to be with, you know, marry her. Um, but now he's stumped them with this riddle, and, and he's kind of, you know, goading them into a confrontation here. They need the answer, so what do they do? They go to his wife, and they press his wife and say, you have to find out the riddle for us, because we can't figure it out. So she uses her persuasive powers, and she figures it out, right? And then she, what does she do? She, of course, she's going to tell her people, the Philistine people. <clears throat> so now, as the riddle has stumped them, and, and he's told them, and the Lord, uh, he's got he's to make good on this bet, right? So he goes, and he kills 30 people to make good on this bet. The Spirit of the Lord came on him again, and he's able to do this incredible, crazy feat. Um, now, as he's gone and, and doing this, killing all these people, making right on his bet, doing his self-serving interests, what, what happens? His father gives his bride away to his companion. Now, knowing Samson, that's pretty cool. Um, knowing Samson, um, that's a first. Uh, <laughs> knowing Samson, uh, just don't hit me. Um, the, uh, that's not distracting either. <laughs> Knowing Samson, he, um, he, he's going he's gonna to get mad, right? So he, he goes, and uh, he's, this is not going to help things. So if we're going to read Judges 15, 3 through 9. And Samson said to them, This time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. So Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches and turned them tail to tail and put the torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and set fire to the stacked grain and the standing grain as well as the olive orchards. Then the Philistines said, who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timonite, because he was taking his wife and given to her as companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. <clears throat> so here... Now, Samson, he, all right, for those of YouTube and Zoom, you can't see there's a bird flying in here. So, <laughs> um, so uh, Samson's now, his anger is going to be boiling over at this point. He's like, that was my bride, and now she is gone. But my, my question here is, uh, how long did it take him to catch those 300 foxes, right? Um, and... <laughs> And I'm truly, I'm, do, I'm laughing at this story, at the characters that God 
chose to bring about the delivery of the nation of Israel. And, but this is how God works, though, right? Um, he takes the most unlikely characters and the most unlikely scenarios, stories that just make no sense at all, and he's using it for his glory, and he's delivering them from their bondage of sin. <clears throat> if, we, if we can see some of these stories and some of these people, look at Paul. Look at that, the, the unlikelihood that he would become the greatest missionary of all time. This guy killed more Christians than probably anybody ever has, but God still used him. <clears throat> if he can use him and he can use Samson, he can use any one of us. I, I struggle with things all the time, in sin and my apostasy and rebellion, but my prayer is that, is that God can use my mess in my life for his glory. <clears throat> so reading on, we're going to see how God in his, Samson, in his rage, how Samson's rage is going to bring about his plan. The people of Judah are concerned now that Samson is going to bring about more pain on them. So the people of Judah are going to take matters into their own hands. They send 3,000 men down there. So here, this is interesting too, because they don't just send a couple people. Clearly, they knew something was different about this guy when they send 3,000 people. Wouldn't they think, these are the people that, that uh, Joshua led into the promised land. These are the people that are supposed to know God the best. Clearly, they know something is different, that Samson is set apart. But what they, they're more concerned about their interest and them being brought more pain on them than God. They can't see that God is working his plan. We can get like that too. We're the mess in our lives and the world is crumbling around us that we, it's hard to look at that this is God's plan. This is something that he's doing for his glory. And we need to grab onto that. So, continuing to read in Judges 15, 11 through 17. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Do you know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is, is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, so I have done to them. And they said to him, we have come down to bind you that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves. They said to him, No, we will only bind you and give you into their hands. We will surely not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became his flax, that it has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and put out his hand and took it, and with it he struck 1,000 men. And Samson said, The jawbone of a donkey heaps upon heaps with the jawbone of a donkey have I struck down a 1,000 men. As soon as he <clears throat> had finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone out of his hand, and that place was called Ramath-Lehi. This is a crazy story. It's a mess here. Have you ever seen a story like this? This is like Jersey Shore meets the Kardashians, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, it, uh, it's, what do we have here? We've got Fabio, right? 
that sees a girl, he likes a girl, he marries a girl, and he comes up with this riddle after killing a lion, and they, they figure out the riddle. His wife, his bride is given away. He kills 30 guys. Then he's lighting foxes' tails on fire, burning fields down, kills 1,000 guys with a jawbone. And this is all part of the story that God is weaving. So remember, if you were here, do you think you would see this is all God's doing? I, I don't know if I would. I, I would just be like, man, this is crazy. Something is happening here. But these crazy stories in the Bible, God uses. And these people, he uses to pour out grace and for his glory. Stories that we can identify with. Samson, David, Moses. All of these guys made messes of their lives at one time or another. But God used them to bring about encouragement and hope. My prayer is that we're here today and asking God, take the mess in my life. And use it for your glory. Because at one time or another, we've all messed up. We all have messes in our lives that God can use in the background. We just need to pray and cry out to him and turn our lives over to him. <clears throat> God time and again shows grace to his people. He raised judges and heroes to deliver the nation of Israel from their rebellion and their sin. But they were never enough, these people, the judges and the heroes. They would never be enough to suffice and to fix what was broken. What we needed was a king. And God sent a Messiah. Someone that we can look at and say, God, I have made a mess of my life. And I'm asking you that you can take my mess and use it for your glory. Let's pray.